Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Open your Bibles this morning to 3 John 2. 3 John 2. Today, you are standing on the threshold of the miraculous. Turn to your neighbor and say that. You are standing on the threshold of the miraculous. Third John 2, someone who has had a, a ringing in your right ear. You've had a ringing in your right ear. And uh, it's been bothering you even today. You, you, you shake your head and clear your head uh, trying to get the ringing to stop. Whoever you are, if you just stand up right now, you're going to find that ringing is leaving you now. I don't know who you are or where you are. There you are. Ma'am, it's leaving you now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. You'll notice a difference immediately. Thank God. Third John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God has a great wish, and that is that we, we prosper in every area, in our minds, in our bodies, in our families, in our finances, in every area of our lives, from the crown of our heads even unto the soles of our feet. We sang it a few moments ago, God is good. I heard my father say, God is a good God and the devil is a bad devil. God is for you. The devil is against you. And he sent Jesus to show us what he's like. And Jesus came to take off you what the devil put on, to take out of you what the devil put in, and to put back on you what the devil took off. Because God is a good God. Those are words that people today need to hear. In this time of pandemic in the world, when a Category 4 hurricane just came ashore just about an hour ago, just a little south of New Orleans at 150 miles an hour. If ever there was a time when people needed to hear God is a good God, now is the time. With what's happened in Afghanistan, with those that have been left behind, ever we needed to know that God is a good God. Now is the time because people have tried just about everything. And I'm believing now they're going to turn to a God who is a good God. Can you shout praises to the Lord today? Hallelujah. We are standing on the threshold, the threshold of the miraculous. They say that when a rocket is on the pad in Cape Canaveral in Florida, that that rocket is on the threshold to space. And when it clears the tower, control goes from Cape Canaveral to Houston, where mission control is, where I was earlier this week. I was involved in a, a telethon for the Love World Network, a very one of the fastest growing, perhaps the fastest growing Christian network in the world today is Love Worlds, based out of Nigeria. But they now have, have uh, reached all throughout Africa and throughout the United Kingdom and Europe in the United States. Uh, they are now, I saw myself preaching in Iran the other day in the Iranian language. Uh, they're, they're, and I, I was there helping them with their telethon this week. So you're standing on the threshold of a miracle. A threshold is a launching pad. 
A threshold means you are about to take off. Okay? Now, let's take this word threshold because there is some historical perspective with that word. Uh, first of all, we all understand threshing. Uh, David uh, went to Ornan, who was threshing wheat, uh, in order to, to save uh, the nation because 70,000 people had died as a result of his sin and disobedience to God. And you remember the story where he went to Ornan and, and Ornan said, I will give you the threshing field for a uh, threshing platform and all the animals and, and all the instruments and everything. And David said, no, 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 no. I would not give God that which cost me nothing. You know, things that are, things that are free, uh, people don't have a respect for. Okay. You know. And people say, well, you're not going to believe this. I used to say, yes, you're probably right. I'm not going to believe this. You know, so uh, there, we, we understand threshing from the Bible sense. Threshing is literally separating uh, the, 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 the seed uh, or the kernel from the plant. And there is stubble that's left over. Well, in medieval days in England and in France, uh, they took a board and they put it on the floor of their home through the door uh, and called it a threshold. It's common in many cultures, including our culture, that when, uh, when a bride is married, her husband, the groom, carries her over the threshold. Okay? And, uh, but there is a historical meaning. In, in those days, in the medieval days, in England and France, the threshold kept the, the dirt and the debris that was in front of the house from coming into the house. So the threshold kept what you did not want in. But it had another reason as well. Their homes were not constructed well enough to keep all the rain out. And they had stone floors. And when the water would come, it was easier to slip and to fall on the stone. And so they took that stubble from the thresh and they would spread it across the floor so that they would have traction when they walked when it got wet. And so they called it a thresh hold so that it would hold the thresh in. You and I today are standing on the threshold of the greatest days of miracles this world has ever seen. Because where sin abounds, grace, God's unmerited favor, doth much more abound. I am seeing miracles more and more and more and more. Just in the past several weeks, I have preached in several wonderful churches and anywhere from one-third to one-half of those churches testified of healing miracles. I've not seen that type of percentage of healings over the years, but I'm seeing it now. Why? Because we're coming to the end. We're coming to the time when the, when the, the Lord is going to call us home. We're going to be raptured. We're not going to hang around for the Antichrist. His, his, uh, his name, his identity will not be identified, the Bible says, until after you and I are gone. Thank God we're not going to have to deal with all that mess. 
You know, we're going to be gone. We're going to be watching it from the grandstands of heaven. Now, if you say, well, I think I'll stay around. Well, that's your decision, but I'm going. I'm going on the first load. Meanwhile, we've got to occupy. He said, occupy until I come. That means that we've got to do what we're called to do. And I remember so very well, looking back over these years, when I was 19 years old, a college junior, running from God, when my father laid his hands on me and began to pray. And as he did, he prophesied. And others prophesied the same thing as the years passed, that the Lord would give me a word of knowledge ministry that would not be like a laying on of hands ministry, but the Lord would anoint my voice and he would anoint my chest. And when I spoke, there would be a power and people would feel it. Just this morning, I was praying for a woman uh, who was a, a great blessing in our lives uh, uh, during our, our years, those many years we spent ministering in Africa. She is in Niamey, Niger with COVID. Niamey, Niger is the capital uh, of, the, of that nation, and it is the hottest nation in the world. Temperatures get up to 130 degrees there. It's at the lower end of the Sahara Desert. Some 12 million people. It's a Muslim nation. And I've, I've been there. She and her husband, who has just passed away, uh, uh, helped me to organize a crusade there. No one had ever come into Niger with a healing crusade. No, the government had never allowed it. But because I took in doctors and nurses and medicines and food through my daughter, Jordan, uh, through that, I was allowed to come into the nation. And I was allowed to meet with the president. As a matter of fact, the president uh, sent me in his limousine to his home to lay hands on his wife. And he's a Muslim president but they're hungry for God. Yes. And uh, uh, so I, I remember I remember those, those days and, and how the Lord used me. And as I talked to her this morning in the hospital there, she said, I felt the power of God come out of you. Amen. Well, I wasn't standing there, but the power of God was. Yes. And that's what's going to happen today. Yes. It's not because of me. Yes. It's because of him moving in me yes. and through me. Yes. And you are the recipient. You're going to get the overflow today, all right? Because <laughs> I've not only come to celebrate a birthday and an anniversary, but I've come to make a deposit for the Holy Ghost in your life. And I'm declaring and decreeing by faith that you will not be the same again after this service. Standing on the threshold. Now, what I'm going to share with you, you might want to get a pencil or, or pen and uh, get your, your smartphone or your dumb phone or whatever phone you brought and make some notes today. What I'm going to say to you this morning uh, is not a revelation. In fact, much of it you already know. I'm going to reconfirm what you already know. It isn't going to be a revelation, but it is going to be revolutionary in your life. So get a pen and paper, get something to write on this morning. Um, just uh, the other day, <laughs> I was thinking about this. I was watching that video of Lindsay and, uh, and she, uh, she tried that. The first time she tried it, she, she couldn't get through it. She, she was crying so hard because she loves you so much. Uh, but I was thinking about that the other day or as I was watching the video today and uh, um, it reminded me this week um, when I got home from Houston, I had had a pair of uh, slacks altered and had them cuffed at the bottom and uh, I went over to pick them up at this uh, tailor shop, a uh, guy that I like, a Vietnamese guy, a really good tailor in Tulsa. And um, 
I got out of my car and there was a woman, must have been 50, 60 years of age, standing there on the curb smoking a cigarette. And uh, so I just passed by and she looked at me and she said, aren't you Jordan's dad? And I said, as a matter of fact, I am. And I said to her, I have been Oral's son. I have been Lindsay's husband. And now I am Jordan's dad. One of these days, I'm going to get my own identity. <laughs> Write this down. Seven plus one breakthroughs for your healing. Seven plus one breakthroughs for your healing. Richard, why didn't you just say eight? I, well, because the Lord said seven plus one. Okay. <laughs> seven plus one. Praise God. Everybody needs a miracle. Everyone needs a healing in some area of your life. Everyone needs a breakthrough. Everyone has come today with a need in their life. It's either spiritual or it's physical or it's financial or it's emotional or it's in your business or it's on your job or it's in your ministry. Everyone here, including me, everyone has a need. You either have a problem or you are a problem. <laughs> Or you live with one. <laughs> the man said, Richard, I don't believe in miracles. I said, well, you will when you need one. No atheists in foxholes, let me tell you. Seven plus one breakthroughs for your healing. Number one, it's God's will for you to be well. Now, it's amazing to me how many Christians have not understood that it's God's will for you to be well. Somehow they get the idea that God is punishing them because of sins committed or because of things that have gone haywire or something that they have done. That is not true. God is not in the business of tracking you down. He's in the business of lifting you up. And it's his will. It's God's will for you to be well. Yes. Let that sink into you today. That's where you've got to start. You've got to know in your spirit that God wants you well. He gets no glory out of sickness. He gets no glory out of financial loss. He gets no glory out of depression or discouragement or fear or worry or anxiety. He gets no glory out of that whatsoever. It's his will for you to be well. Someone would say, well, that's for someone else. That's not for me. You don't know what I've been through. Well, huh, I got news. You don't know what I've been through either. And I'm not going to take the time to tell you and give glory to the devil either. Because I've been through some things in my life. But notice I said I have been through some things. I didn't park in the middle of it. What did David say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't stop and build a monument. He didn't park beside a failure. He carried on. And he's the one whom the Lord called a man after my own heart. So first of all, the first principle is you've got to know that it's God's will. And 3 John 2 makes it clear. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So he wants you to be well. Okay. He is the doctor of wellness. He is the great physician. 
Number two, your healing has been paid for in full. And people have a, have a misunderstanding. Uh, they somehow think that when Jesus went to the cross, all he did was forgive sin. Well, thank God he forgave sin. Thank God he paid the price once and for all and became the sacrifice. He literally became sin in our behalf so much so that God had to turn his back because God can't look at sin. He had to turn his back. Yes, he provided salvation. But salvation has to be reached out for. It's not automatic. As some people teach today. You're not saved and you just don't know it. And that brings up another subject this morning since you asked. <laughs> the difference between grace and faith. There's a, there's a teaching that's going around about grace that you can live your life pretty much however you want. And because God is gracious, you're being covered. Well, let me tell you what grace is. Grace is what God has already done. Faith is what you do as a result of what he's done. But it doesn't happen automatically. You can pray for your neighbor to get saved. You can get 10 people to pray for your neighbor to get saved. You can get 100 people to pray and thank God for prayer. But until that person reaches out by faith, yes. for by grace are you saved through faith. Yes, he provided salvation, but it's not automatic. When I was 19, I rolled out of that bed after my father prophesied over me and prayed for me. And I prayed a sinner's prayer. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I repent. I change my mind. I turn my back on the past. I renounce the devil. Command him, get the hell out of my life. <laughs> I had to make a move. And the same is true with healing. He took the stripes on his back. 39 stripes. And uh, in a medical journal, I read an article that they've lopped all sickness and disease into 39 different categories. And I thought to myself, they're confirming the word of God. Yeah. It took a stripe for all 39 divisions or what do you might say of, of sickness and disease. Yes, he has provided healing. What did Peter say in 1 Peter 2.24? By his stripes you were, last time I checked, were means past tense. By his stripes, you were healed. In other words, he has provided a way for us to be healed. But most healing is not automatic. Most healing requires us to release our faith and to believe God for that miracle. So number, number two, it's been paid for in full. Number three, ask yourself this question. Is there any unconfessed sin in my life? Is there anything that I am doing or have done that is not pleasing to God? In other words, have a little self-examination. That's what David did. David looked in the mirror and said to the Lord, search me. See if there's anything in me that is not of you. If it is, pluck it out. Now, David was a, a human being, a normal human being. He made mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. He committed sin. Yeah. And we can read about it in the Bible. But he had a self-examination of himself on a regular basis. So that before that thing could fester and get infected, 
he would cast it out of his life. And that's the story of you and me. But so many people think because of something they did, even though they repented, God can't use them anymore. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. So if you have any unconfessed sin in your life, you don't have to broadcast it. Just say, God, I want this out of my life. I repent. I'm sorry. You say, is it that simple? Yes, if you're sincere. When I prayed that prayer on my knees with my dad in my dad in my mother's bedroom, I, I sincerely repented of my sin. I was instantaneously forgiven because I reached out by faith and I took it. Okay. So not only is God good, not only is it his will for us to be well, not only has your healing been paid for in full, and not only do we need to get any unconfessed sin out, but number four, we need to learn how to forgive. And that is one of the hardest things for a Christian to do. It's a lot easier in my experience to get people from the world to forgive you than it is to get a Christian to forgive you. Christians have a way of holding on of holding on and, and getting bitterness in their heart. And it destroys you. You've got to forgive. Lindsay, if Lindsay were here, she'd tell you that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Unforgiveness won't do anything for them, but it'll kill you. What did Jesus say? He said, if you don't forgive, then neither will my father in heaven forgive you. Well, that's a pretty good reason to forgive right there. I want to be, when I mess up, I want to ask forgiveness and I want to know that he's forgiven me. Don't you? Anybody here ever messed up? Put your hand up. Anybody? You're messed up more than once. Put up both hands. Pastor Craig, I won't ask you to raise your feet. But thank God we, we can, we can ask for forgiveness, but also we've got to forgive those who have come against us. I, and I, I don't know about you, but I have struggled with that. I have struggled with some of the horrible, rotten, mean, ugly things that some people have done against me, against our ministry. And for as long as I can remember from my childhood, I watched what they did to my father. I, and, and if you're not careful, you carry that and it destroys you. It doesn't keep an open channel. It's like a, a, a clotted artery. It's like a blockage. And you've got to get that out. Every one of you today probably knows someone that you need to forgive. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm thinking of people right now. They don't deserve it, but it's not about what they deserve. It's not about them. It's really about me. Because when I forgive them, it releases me. I remember once I was holding something against uh, some people who had done some horrible things to me. And Lindsay, as in her own way, said, take a piece of paper. So I got a piece of paper. I said, get a pencil. So I got a pencil, a piece of paper. And she said, now draw a line down the center of the page. And I did. She said, now on the left side, list the names of those people who've hurt you. So I started writing down their names. Then she said, now on the right side, write down what they did. So I'm writing down what they did. It took me a little longer to write down what they did. <laughs> she said, now take the paper in your hand. I said, okay. She said, now tear it right down that line. And I did. She said, now throw away the part that says what they did 
and forgive the person. She said, you're not forgiving what they did. You're forgiving the person. Listen, friends, that'll set you free. What they did was wrong. What they did was ugly. You didn't deserve it. And in many cases, you were unable to defend yourself. Not because of what they did, but forgive the person. It will set you free. Number five. Now I'm going to quit preaching and I'm going to meddling now, okay? Stop talking about the problem. Shut up. Nice way, that's, I don't know a nicer way to say it. Stop talking about the problem. People have a way of elevating their problem. One woman talks so much about her sickness that if she couldn't talk about sickness, she'd have nothing else to talk about. Or you think you're sick. Let me tell you about my sickness. And they take possession of it. And they coddle it and they pet it. And they hold it as a trophy. And it's a blockage. And it's hard for your faith to get around a blockage like that. You can't do it. It will literally destroy you. Stop talking about the problem and start talking to the problem. Oh, that's so good. Cancer, in the name of Jesus, I speak to you. I command you by the name of the living God, come out. Arteries, I command you, open up so the blood may flow. Kidneys, function. Liver, function. Lungs, breathe. Eyes, see. Ears, hear. Don't talk about the problem. Talk to the problem. Jesus didn't climb mountains. He spoke to them. He said, be removed. Be thou cast into the sea. And do not doubt in your heart. But believe that those things which you say shall come to pass. And you shall have whatsoever you say. And what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe. Are you following that? That's when you believe, when you pray. When you pray, believe. Everybody say, when I pray, that's when I believe. I don't wait 10 minutes. I don't wait half an hour. I don't wait till tomorrow. When I pray, I believe. In other words, right in the middle of your prayer, that's when you believe. What things soever you desire, Mark uh, eleven twenty four. 24, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have them. So stop talking about the problem. Start talking about the answer. Number six, find someone who will go into an agreement with you. Now, it's not hard to find someone who will tell you that it won't work. You can find it in most churches. Someone will rain on your parade and say, well, that's not my experience. That could never happen. No, find someone who will agree with you. The Bible says in Matthew 18, verses 18 and 19, if two shall agree on earth as concerning anything that they shall ask, it shall be done by my father. It doesn't take three or four or five. It just takes two. Just two. Find someone, it may be in your family, may not be in your family. 
It may be someone at work or someone down the street or someone in the building. It may be someone else here at the church. Find someone who will go into an agreement and, and, and agree with you and not talk about the problem, but talk about the answer Amen. and give you positive words of faith. Find someone who will go into an agreement. There is tremendous power in agreement. And number seven, release your faith and expect a miracle. Release your faith and expect a miracle. You have faith. The Bible says that you do. Now, I realize that there are those who teach that faith only comes when you get saved, but that is not true. You were born with faith. The Bible says God has given to every person the measure of faith. He did not say, I give that faith only to those who are, who are believing in me. Well, how do you know? Because you can't get saved without it. For, for by grace are you saved through faith. Now, how could you wait to get faith later and get saved if you didn't already have it? So that settles that issue once and for all. You have faith. I hear people say, well, I just don't, I don't have any faith. Well, that's not true. Well, I don't have enough faith. That's not true either. Well, I, I want to increase my faith. Well, that's wrong too. You've got the measure. You have the same measure that Pastor Nancy has. You have the same measure that Pastor Morgan has. You have the same measure that I have. You got the same measure that Tony has. <laughs> Because he gave us the measure of faith. You have all the faith that you need. A man said to me, I've got all the faith in the world. I said, well, now that's your problem. You've still got it. You've got to let it go. You've got to release it. So what am I trying to say? When I pray for your healing in a few minutes time, I want you to take your faith and let it go to God. Faith in the name of Jesus. I release you. And I expect my miracle. For nothing less will do. Amen. You got that? Yes. Release your faith and expect a miracle. Now, remember I said seven plus one. Yes, sir. Here's the plus one. There's something about sowing. There's something about sowing that's unlike anything else. I don't know how to explain it. But when you sow unto the Lord, it opens you up in a way that I don't know of anything else that does. It's like in some fine restaurants, after they have the, the hors d'oeuvres and the salad and whatever is first, sometimes in fine restaurants, they will bring you a little tiny demitasse of sherbet with a little tiny spoon. And they'll, they'll, take a little dab and they say, this will cleanse the palate and prepare you for the main entree that's coming. Sowing is like that. Sowing clears you out for the main event that's coming. Sowing gets you in a position for all the other steps to bring, to come into fruition, to happen in your life. Now, I live in the Midwest and we have, we have all four seasons. You, you don't have all four seasons. No, no, but you do have a governor. Um, I'm sorry. I, I, I repent. I, I didn't say that. I, I'm so, please, I'm, please, please take that off the tape. I'm so sorry. 
where I live, we have all four seasons. And we don't mess around. When we have summer, we have summer. It's been 100 degrees with about 60% humidity for the last couple of weeks. I saw this morning, supposed to be 98 in Tulsa today, and the humidity, you walk outside, you're sweating within 30 seconds. And we don't mess around, we have summer. And then when winter comes, we don't mess around either. We've got ice, we got snow, we got cold, we got wind. You can't put on enough coats when you go outside in the winter. It's not unusual for it to be five to 10 degrees with a, with a chill factor below zero. Wow. We, we don't mess around. Yeah. We have about two days of spring and about two days of fall. <laughs> and it's scriptural because the Bible says you're gonna have hot and cold. He didn't say anything about fall or spring. <laughs> So we got about two days of spring and two days of fall. The rest is summer and winter. We don't mess around when it comes to the seasons. We have all the seasons and we're coming now in the next 30 to 45 days to the most beautiful time of the year when all the trees begin to change and the colors are just absolutely magnificent. And then when about two weeks later, it'll all be gone and brown and gray and dark and dank. And next thing you know, there'll be snow on the ground, okay? And anybody that lives in our part of the country and most of the country knows that there is a time when you sow. Yeah. There's a time when you plant flowers. There's a time when you plant your crops. You can check the farmer's almanac. You, you can check with the feed stores. They'll show you. And even if you buy the seed packages, they'll tell you where you are in the country, what time of the year. Okay. The seed is waiting on the season, right? The seed is waiting on the right season to sow. That's how the farmers do it. That's how it's always been done. That's how it was done in Bible days. That's how it's done these days. The seed is waiting on the season, but not so in the supernatural. In the supernatural, your season is waiting on your seed. Your season is waiting on your seed. Now, what does that mean? It means when you sow your seed, it immediately becomes your season. It's your season for a harvest. Now, in the natural, it's not like that. You've got to plant, you've got to cultivate, you've got to water, you've got to pray for rain, you've got to be out there checking it every day, pulling the weeds. Not that way in the supernatural. In the supernatural, the seed's not waiting on the season. The season is waiting on the seed. The season is just waiting for you to release what you have in your hands into God's hands. So he can open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so much so that there's not enough room to receive it. Your season is waiting on your seed. And there's something about sowing that clears the palate for you to get into a position to receive the miracle that you need. How I praise God. How I thank him for his goodness and for his mercy. I love him with all of my heart. I praise him. I give him honor and I give him glory today. I thank God for the ministry that God has given me. I thank God for my family. I thank God for my wife who stands by my side and is my number one intercessor. I thank God for my children. I'm glad to be Jordan's dad, you know. I thank God for, for all that, that labor with me. I thank God for everyone here and for an opportunity to pour out of my life into your life. And I'm honored to be here today to bring honor to your founder and pastor. 
And I thank God for the birthday as well as for the anniversary. But most of all, I thank God for an opportunity to pray over you. So I believe in prayer. My father taught me that prayer is the key that unlocks the throne of God's mercy. When you pray, something happens. Something supernatural happens. If you have a need of healing today, in any area of your life, I'd like you to stand up. Maybe your back, maybe your feet or legs, maybe uh, your shoulders, it may be your hips, it may be your, your knees, maybe your ankles, your feet, maybe it's your breathing, maybe it's your lungs, or perhaps it's your vision, or you've had a loss of hearing. I've already had one healing of ringing of ears. Is that ringing gone? Yeah, thank the Lord the ringing is gone, she said. Maybe it's in your pancreas or, or your liver. Or maybe it's in your kidneys or your prostate. Or maybe it's in your gallbladder. I just spoke with the former governor of Oklahoma yesterday, uh, Brother Bill Wilson in New York City, who has the largest Sunday school for children in the world, uh, has four of his staff in Kabul, trying desperately to get them out of Afghanistan. And he called me to ask me if I knew anyone. And um, I turned to Lindsay and Lindsay said, well, you know the former governor, Mayor Fallon, who was also a member of the House of Representatives for some years. And so I called Mary yesterday. She just had her gallbladder removed. I didn't know that. She lives in Oklahoma City. So I prayed for her and I said, Mary, can you hook me up with somebody that I can, I can give to build it to try to help get these four staff members out of Kabul? You know what's going on, I don't have to tell you. And she said, yes, I'll give you uh, the aid to Senator Lankford, one of our two United States senators. And I'll give you her personal number and you can call and, and uh, she'll give you information of how he can contact the right people because he didn't know what to do and neither did I. Uh, so, uh, but Mary had just had her, and I made that call, but Mary uh, had just had her gallbladder removed and she was so grateful that someone would pray, you know, and release their faith. Mary's a strong Christian, served as our governor for a number of years. And I've known her since she was a young girl. So thank God for an opportunity to pray and to believe God for miracles. Now it may be uh, in uh, your chest, it may be your heart, and you need prayer. You can stand up. It may be a nervous condition. It may be something else. It may be something that's cancer related or something in your, in your vision or your, or your hearing or maybe some blockage of an artery or maybe something else that's physical or it may be something that's, that's not physical and yet you need a healing. Maybe it's in your, uh, maybe it's, it's in your emotions. And maybe you're discouraged and you're, you've been depressed, but you thought if I can just get to church today, someone will pray over me. Well, I'm here, I'm ready to pray. So someone else that you need healing and just, just stand up where you are and let me pray. And as we take these steps and as we do them, we get ourselves into a position for healing. You know, they, they put those rockets in a certain position. Mathematically, I'm, I'm not a mathematician, but, but they do it in such a way that if they miss it by only the fraction, they'll, they could miss the moon by thousands and thousands of miles. They have to have the right trajectory. So what we're doing today is we're getting on the right trajectory so that we can receive from the Lord. Now, would someone who is sitting 
please touch that person who is standing. Just reach out and touch them. Father, it is not by might, and it is certainly not by power, but it is by the Holy Spirit that I pray this prayer today. Satan, I adjure you by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You take your dirty, rotten, stinking, filthy hands off of God's child. We don't belong to you. We belong to God. We in this room were paid for by the shed blood of Jesus, who is our Savior and Lord. So Satan, you have no right. I bind you. And I remind you that the Bible says, whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So I bind you off of this person in Jesus' name and out of this person in Jesus' name. And the Bible also says, I loose the power of God. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so in Jesus' name, I loose his power into you. In the name of Jesus Christ, every sickness, every disease, come out. Come out. Come out. And enter again, no more, forever. You foul, tormenting cancer, blood disease, malignancy, tumor, mass, growth in the bone, in the brain, in the breast, in the skin, come out and enter again, no more forever. Heart disease, I speak to you. Arrhythmia, skipping of beats, irregular beating, enlarged heart, be healed in the name, and here it comes, in the name of Jesus. Now let your faith go right now and believe God. Arteries, open up so that the blood may flow unrestricted from your head to your feet. I rebuke the effects of a stroke in Jesus' name. Yes, you will have freedom of movement again in the name of the Lord. I speak to spleens and pancreases and livers and gallbladders and colons and intestinal problems. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Bodily functions work normally in Jesus' name. And I send the word to you today, according to Psalm 107, verse 20, which says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I send that word to you today. I send it to you today. I send it to you today. Not in my name, but in Jesus' name. I come against arthritis, bursitis. I come against anything that's, that is, is of an arthritic nature. In Jesus' name, come out. I come against letters, ALS, MS, MD. Come out in the name of Jesus. Yes, I have letters too, J-E-S-U-S. -S. Be healed today in the name of Jesus. Every artery in your body, open up. Every bone, every muscle, every tissue, be healed. Every infection, come out and enter again no more forever. And Father, I give you praise and I give you honor and I give you glory. Blindness, glaucoma, cataracts, blurred vision, dry eyes, chorioretinitis, pupils, iris, be healed. 
I send that word to you right now in Jesus' name. Be healed in your hearing. Your station tube, eardrum, open up so that this person may be able to hear normally in the name of Jesus. Voice box, be healed in Jesus' name. Lungs, breathe. Lungs, breathe. Asthma, emphysema, any lung problem, be healed in the name of Jesus. Healed from the crown of your head. Backs, I speak to you. Be healed in Jesus' name. Shoulders, be healed in the name of Jesus. Hips and knees and feet and fingers and arms and elbows, be healed. Effects of the accident, be healed from that. In every area of your life, migraines, come out and enter again no more in the name of Jesus. Every sickness, every disease, every fear, every doubt, come out and stay out. Now, Father, we release our faith. Everybody just lift your hands and say, I'm, I'm releasing my faith now. I'm releasing my faith. Say it with me. I'm releasing my faith. I'm believing God. Now say, Lord, I'm receiving my healing. And don't say anything against it. That's your word today. I'm, rele I'm, re I'm, re I'm receiving my healing. That's your word. And when you leave here today, I'm receiving my healing. And when you get home today, I'm receiving my healing. And when you go to bed tonight, I'm receiving my healing. And when you get up tomorrow, I'm receiving my healing. Don't allow Satan to creep back in with that rotten doubt. Believe it and receive it. Doubt it, do without it. Now everybody standing, please. Everyone. Lift your hands unto the Lord. Pray this prayer out loud after me. Today, as we celebrate this birthday and this anniversary, I commit to you that I'm going to live my life according to the Word of God. Not according to what I see in the news, but according to the Word of God. My testimony is growing. The Holy Spirit is moving in my life. I'm a witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm a witness in my home, on my job, in my business, in my ministry, with my family, wherever I go. I'm a witness because the Holy Spirit is in me. I'm a new person. I've got, I've got victory in my heart. And from this day, I declare and I decree that I shall never be the same again. I receive my healing in Jesus' name. Now somebody give praise to the Lord. Come on, give him praise. Come on, thank him. He inhabits the praises of his people. Praise God. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.